Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following podcast contains explicit language. I recently had the fun of chatting with one of our listeners, Audrey in Austin, Texas. It was right after her appointment to get an IUD. It's our 24-hour anniversary right now. How much are you bleeding right now? Are we talking about like my heart or like physically bleeding? Because I'm so very sad about what happened in the election. And the election is the reason she went in for that appointment. She works for a religious nonprofit and had to take out a second insurance card just to cover her reproductive health care. That's free right now under the Affordable Care Act. But if the Trump administration follows through with their plans, birth control could become prohibitively expensive. I don't have that money. I don't have an extra 100 bucks a month. And I'm not ready to go without either. So I just kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and made the decision to invest in my long-term health. Hence, the IUD. I signed up for this five-year commitment to me and my little Morena. And I don't know, it makes me feel better to think of her like a friend rather than this like foreign body that's taking up residence in my uterus. And she knows you really well. She knows me inside and out. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Some of you may know that this show is a reboot. It's my job now. But it started as a hobby, something I used to do on the evenings and weekends. I'd try to cobble together an hour-long radio show, and then those episodes would go out on over-the-air radio, a station called WFMU. One of my favorite episodes from this time is one we called Hacking the Uterus. I made it three years ago, and back then it felt the closest to what I was trying to do with the show. This particular episode is about her preparing to go and get an IUD fitted. It was even reviewed by a Guardian Media podcast. When I first heard about this piece, it was from a friend saying to me that she actually had to get off the tube because she thought she was going to have a panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the most extreme response I've ever heard anyone have to a radio programme. So that's going to be today's show. A classic YOY unearthed from January 2014. Maybe don't listen on the tube. It's mostly stories from friends and family members who made the same decision as Audrey. They decided to start a relationship with a little marina, a little paragard. And overall, this episode's going to feel more raw, more loose than what we usually bring you here. Okay? So let's go back in time three years ago when I, dear listeners, was getting ready to get my own IUD. Enjoy. You know those birth control commercials? Oh, hey, did I tell you? My doctor told me about this new low-dose birth control pill. It's called Yaz. Yeah. It's the only 24-day design pill with a unique hormone, DRSP. Right. DRSP is a different kind of hormone that may increase potassium. That is just what today's show is going to be like, but with a lot more blood and candor and absolutely no medical advice. I mean it. This episode is my anecdotal journey talking to friends and family before going in for my own IUD. 
and none of this is researched beyond some light Googling. This is just the story of how I hacked my uterus. When I called to make my appointment, this was the hold music. I knew I wanted an IUD for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of a blog post my friend wrote. She explained that it's the most effective form of birth control there is. You are hassle-free for five years, no periods, one-seventh of the hormones, and it's covered by my insurance. For me, the IUD represents true independence. One last barrier between me and being the beautiful, natural woman that I never quite feel like, really. My friend Adrian is the author of the blog post that got all this in my head in the first place. She has an IUD herself. We're one of the first generations to be on birth control, like for our whole adulthood. Basically from the minute that you are sexually active until you decide to have kids, you are, most of us are on hormones. So it's weird, you don't know what your normal is. And my friend Elise just got her second. I consider myself to be a hormone junkie (laughs) because I have no sense of what it is. My whole sexual identity is tied to the hormones. I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what my period is like. I started on birth control two years after I started my period. So I have no idea what or who I am. We got together in the dimly lit back room of a bar called Palace Cafe in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. No one else is back there and a game is going on in the distance. In order to understand what leads women to the IUD, you have to think about all the things that can go wrong with the other options. I had experimented, oh, that sounds like exciting. (laughs) I experimented with a lot of different types of birth control just because, like, it was back when I was 16 years old, my mom first put, put me on the birth control pill out of her own paranoia. Like, I was definitely not having sex, and I wouldn't until I was 19. But she was like, oh, you know, to regulate your period, you should be on the birth control pill. Um... And my boobs just, like, exploded overnight. Like, <laughs> the hormones was just so intense in this uh, birth control pill I was on called Brevicon, um, which they later discontinued because they found that uh, the hormone levels were too much. Um, <laughs> so I had, like, I'm a fairly skinny person, and I had um, 34D cup breasts. which <laughs> is crazy. I look like a porn star. And then later throughout in different, parts of my adulthood, uh, I got put on different birth control pills, and uh, yeah, so they, they got smaller, but still, I, had, I did not know until I went on the IUD that so much of my figure was attributable to hormones. <laughs> and then I tried the NuvaRing when that came out, that was something that a doctor recommended to me, which I liked well enough, but it was expensive because it wasn't generic yet, and it gave me like a weird period. Like, I was basically just spotting all the freaking time, which was kind of obnoxious. So I went off of the pill for a while because I was having um, body problems in general, vagina problems. <laughs> I was getting a lot of yeast infections and, and um, bacterial vaginosis. And so one of the things they suggested was to go off of the hormones. So I took myself off of birth control and I was using just condoms. And everyone knows that that sucks. <laughs> like, I feel like condoms are so analog. It's like using a film camera like every time you take a picture or every time you have sex you're like oh are we gonna invest in using a condom like we have to go through this process of like opening the condom and putting on the condom and like the condom costs what like i don't know two dollars three dollars so every time you have sex you're like okay we're we're choosing to, it's like a polaroid or something 
it really focuses everything on the penis, mm-hmm. and it's like we're gonna pre- we're gonna sheath the precious penis. <laughs> Let us protect the penis. Penis blankets all around. My vagina wants a condom sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I, every time I meet like a couple that's been in a long-term serious relationship, and they tell me that they use condoms, condoms regularly, it blows my mind. Right. Do you Why? not enjoy sex? Right. <laughs> right? Are you prepared all the time? I hope so. So I was just looking at all these websites on Planned Parenthood and um, just kind of general Googling, like, okay, so what are the the different efficiency rates of different methods of birth control and what are the different side effects and all of that? So I was just kind of like pouring myself into the internet, trying to figure out what made the most sense for me. Um, And I wasn't ruling anything out. I was like, should I use the sponge? Should I use a diaphragm? Should I use contraceptive jelly? Is that even still for sale or is that like a 70s thing? And everything just kept coming up like, oh, the IUD, the IUD, the IUD. Okay, well, what's that like getting that inserted? Who is it appropriate for? And um, so it was all the internet. Here's what the internet will tell you about the IUD. Basically, there are two kinds. There's the marina with a low dose of hormones that lasts for five years. And then there's the paraguard with no hormones, just magic copper ions. And it lasts for 12 years. One of the major appeals of both methods is the idea of being on little or no hormones. The one with hormones applies it locally, so it's about one-seventh the dose of the pill. Now it's time to hear the gruesome insertion stories. Here's something Elise told me that I find incredibly true. It seems to be kind of still the Wild West when it comes to this thing, just because it's not particularly... It's, it's popular now, but it's gaining in popularity. And so everybody, it seems to be pretty ad hoc. Every different doctor has the, a, a way of doing it. I love hearing these insertion stories because everyone is different. As a woman, you know you might go through childbirth someday, but you have no idea what a contraction feels like. The IUD insertion is supposed to be a small taste of that kind of pain. And every woman describes it in a different way. Now, the first time around, it was painful and my way of dealing with pain is to laugh. <laughs> like, like I was laughing the entire time. I was like, "This is nonsense, painful. <laughs> like this is totally." You guys, like I'm on candid camera. That's how I felt about it. I was like looking around the room, and I'm like, "Seriously, this is what it means to be a woman. This is a cosmic joke." <laughs> I felt like Eve. <laughs> I felt like I had been banished from Eden. But then it was over, and it was. Um, yeah, I, I want. Well, I want to hear the pain and. Like, does she open you up for a while? Yeah, and let's then, go like, step by step. Yeah, I want to hear the whole thing. First step, the, the whole thing with the speculum, they go and open you up like you're going to go and get a pap smear. Now, this doctor, this has not been borne out the second time. This doctor, and I don't know if this was just what was in vogue at the time, she put Novocaine into my cervix, which meant, and, and I'm saying like four doses of Novocaine, which meant that there was a needle, and there was a visual of a needle going into my vagina. <laughs> And it was like a really terrible pinchy pain. And then I was like, okay, so I'm set. So the rest of this should be a breeze. But then it hurt. And I was like, well, what was the point of that? I completely think it was psychosomatic. I think that she was just trying to get me to a psychological point at which I didn't believe it would hurt. I think it's better to just kind of rip the bandaid. But the whole insertion was probably about five minutes beginning to end of process and about 15 seconds when it came to insertion. I want you to keep these numbers in mind. 
five minutes total, 15 seconds for insertion, and then five years pass, and it's time for her to go back. Her second story is like a dream scenario in my book. I get there, and it's like this really tranquil spa-like thing. The lobby is full of these really beautiful women. Everybody is just beautiful and lovely. The whole thing feels very Manhattan. It's like, I think, an OBGYN office mixed with, like, a waxing center or something. It's like, it totally is just like a spa. And I think they do like lipo and stuff there too. I go in and they have candlelight. The, the woman is practicing by candlelight. And I was like, you know, I, th I think it's really nice that you do this. It really relaxes me. It's very tranquil. I like it a lot. But um, just know that you don't have to go and practice medicine via candlelight. And she's like, no, I love it. I'm so much better at seeing it. I, I love to practice via candlelight. So um, second time around, they said, there's some myth going around that extracting it doesn't feel like anything, which I'm like, no, I know for a fact that this is, there's a small opening and a bigger IUD, but I don't know, they just foist this rumor upon you. I'm here to break that, which is that um, this, it, it's painful to get it taken out too. But this time around, when I got it replaced, I think the whole thing probably lasted about a 30th of a second. <laughs> she pulled it, and I was like, out, and she's like, it's out. And then um, she said, cough, and I coughed, and it was in. And it was two shooting pains, and that was it. Here's how it went for Adrienne. Something to keep in mind with her story is that she suffered with unbelievable cramps her entire life. So she inserted this, like, medical-grade tongs, like salad tongs is how I thought of them, like these long and skinny, like something you would, like, pick up a pork chop off of a, a barbecue with. <laughs> but they were long and skinny, and they, like, they, I guess they pry your cervix open after the speculum is obviously um, holding you open. You're just all open, all in the place. And, and that first opening... It hurts, but not, maybe, maybe my pain tolerance, like I feel like I have different types of pain tolerance, like stabby pain I don't do well with. Um, but this was like dull, crampy pain. And I've had bad cramps my whole life um, that I don't take ibuprofen for. <laughs> um, not anymore, now that I have the IUD, but. Uh, um, why, why don't you take it? Because. I'm <laughs> because I'm like my new age aunt, <laughs> and anytime I take a pill, I'm like I don't know, like what what else am I doing today? Like, can I have a glass of wine if I'm having ibuprofen? I don't know, and like like I, like I, I also just kind of believe in breathing through things like a fucking hippie. So yeah, I've had like a history of bad cramps, and honestly, the doctor prying me open however small amount I'm sure it is because it's a teen like the IUD is so tiny like that's the most comforting thing about this process is you look at the IUD and you're like that's going inside me that's all point counterpoint that's the most terrifying thing about it I found it to be painful memorably so although you know afterwards you're just like whatever and it's not I just want to I'm saying these things over and over again so that you go through with this because I think it's a great idea um I'm but, not, oh, I'm, I don't think I'm going back at this point. It's so um, I have a hard time making appointments, and I don't want to have to call and cancel an appointment. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I don't have to write down the phone number, find a private room at work, go in and call. Like, I can't. Yeah. I'm in. I'm locked in. Well, point counterpoint, it terrified me 
just, that was just a sneak peek of childbirth. And I was, that, that was running through my mind for like a PTSD month. <laughs> I was just like thinking about it a lot. And I was like, that was a millimeter. We got to get to like 10 centimeters by the end of this thing. <laughs> like Terrible. It was actually, it was the opposite experience for me, honestly, where I had read all these things about how they, you know, open up your cervix and that that is what childbirth is like. That's a contraction. And I was like, oh, that's a contraction. <laughs> like, what do you fucking do? Like, I, I said nothing throughout the, the whole process that she was inserting the IUD into me. And she kept checking in on me and being like, are you OK up there? And I was like, wait, are you doing it right now? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> not that I didn't feel anything. I felt things, but I was like, yeah, I was having cramps a couple of days ago, and that's what it felt like. So she put it in, and it was like two seconds later, she was kind of making sure that the strings were all right and everything. And she goes, oh, you expelled it. <laughs> and I hadn't even felt that part, apparently. I didn't even know that was in the range of possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what causes it, so I'm not going to guess <laughs> but uh your cervix was just too relaxed yeah I don't, I don't know just like pushed it right out it's like oh it's a baby done <laughs> um so yeah apparently I expelled it and so she had to do it again um but uh yeah again it was super brief and then it was in and she kind of like kept the speculum in and like a light shining up me and she's like but seems like it's staying in there now and she trimmed the strings. There's um, two strings that come out of you that are kind of like stiff plasticky strings so that they can remove it. And so she cut those to like an inch long or whatever they do. And then I was done. I had taken ibuprofen before going in to have that done. Uh, and I definitely, I had bad cramps for that whole month where I was taking about eight ibuprofen a day. Um, oh Every day for a month. And at one point, I almost called my doctor because I was wondering if it was okay to keep taking that much, like the maximum ibuprofen every day. But then it finally went away. But to me, since I was so used to having bad cramps and also to having long periods, it was kind of just like somewhat shittier than usual. <laughs> but not all. Like I was still, like I went to work after I got the IUD put in and I worked that whole week. I was interfacing with customers and gift wrapping things for them and helping them pick out jewelry and scented candles <laughs> and just being like, whew, yeah, <laughs> feeling it, feeling that there's a thing in my body that it shouldn't be there and it wants to birth it. <laughs> That's how you understood the cramps is like your body literally trying to force it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's how I think of cramps in general, is that there's something, you know, even when, if it's just lining, it's just like, get it out, get it out, fucking sucks. Like, I'm sorry I'm swearing so much. I had yeah, a single cider and it makes me salty mouthed. <laughs> it sucked for a month, it did, but it was a kind of sucking that I was not unprecedented for me and that was manageable just with ibuprofen. And then after that month, I was worried because some people just, that is their experience of the IUD where they're just cramping all the time and... And so uh, some people wind up getting it taken out. I think that's more common with the Paragard copper one than with the hormonal one. But for me, it went away in a month. And then all of a sudden, my periods were drastically shorter. And they got shorter and shorter. And then they eventually went away. And now life is great, except for my fake period, which just gives me occasional acne and bloating. That's fine. Wait, so have you been cramp-free for a while now, after all those years of intense cramping? I would say I have not felt a single menstrual cramp in two years. Life is just so much better. So much better. I recommend it. 
With my appointment a week away, it was time to tell my mom. I was expecting her full blessing and to be told that I was a birth control pioneer in my family. I was trying something that none of us have ever tried before. Instead, the first thing she said was, Ew, ick, why? Turns out she had a copper IUD once. Well, I guess I, I expected like a little pinch, but I just remember at the time like being very shocked that it really was fairly uncomfortable. And then I didn't really, I don't think I ever really thought about it. I think I had it during the early years of being married to your dad. But then going back two years later, I think it was two years, you had to get them replaced. I went to get it taken out. And at that point, I think I knew I didn't want it anymore. Uh, There were better pills at that point. And just being shocked at how difficult it was to get out. And I, I think I had, honey, you've got to remember this memory is 35 years ago. But I think I had a really young doctor at the time. And he was trying very hard to, to remove it and to not show the panic on his face that he was having trouble removing it. <gasps> oh, God. Yeah, because I could, okay. I could, I just knew he was having trouble. And he's just trying to be like, oh, not a problem. This is perfectly normal. And I could see just panic rising in his face. And then it did come out. And it's like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. You could just write me a prescription for pills now. Thank you very much. I think I remember having very, very rough periods with it now and then. Not not every period, but every once in a while I'd have a bad period. And I, I never had a history of bad periods, so. Yeah. Oh, this is scary. <laughs> we probably have the most similar uteruses of all the people I've talked to. Is that true? I mean, you're my mom, so we must must be as close, like genetically the closest. And then she told me I'm adopted. Just kidding. From there, I called my grandma Phyllis. And again, to my surprise, it turns out she had one too. Back in the day. But she wanted it out. I was toying, so I was already in my 40s. I was toying with having the doctor remove my IUD surreptitiously, I mean, and not tell Grandpa, and get Mm. myself pregnant. What? Yeah. Why won't you tell Grandpa? Well, because I wasn't going to tell Grandpa. This is after three kids. You wanted a fourth. Yeah. But you knew Grandpa would say no. Yeah, well, he kept saying, you have to look for another star in the sky. And he kept <laughs> reminding me how hard it, it was to keep Howard alive. But, uh, every, <laughs> another every another time, what in the sky? Another? You know, uh, like at Christmas time, the, the the miracle of the whatever. But anyhow, there wasn't another star in the sky, and I thought about it, and I um, I called the doctor back, and I said, why don't we just do that belly button operation and be done with this? Because I didn't really love having a foreign body in my body. I wasn't having a problem about it. But I was approaching, well, I still hadn't gone, 
I was 50 when I uh, had my menopause, or as Archie Bunker said, mental pause. Uh, so I made the appointment to have it done, have the IUD removed, and to uh, do the little belly button operation. And that was final. So there you go. My mom and grandma both had IUDs at some point in their lives. And I was getting ready to get one too, only mine would be newer and fancier, a version that was never available to them. But it made me nervous that neither of them felt comfortable with an IUD. Neither of them were as passionate about the experience as Adrian and Elise. I felt like I do when they look at me and I'm wearing an old sweater and they're like, why would you, as a grown woman, wear that sweater? Have we taught you nothing? There's holes in it. What are you thinking? At the time, I was in a relationship and um, struggling because I felt like a low libido. And I started to suspect that maybe it was the pill. And I couldn't figure this out from my doctor, but I ended up on some random sort of sketchy chat rooms um, and forums and found a lot of women complaining that low libido was sometimes a side effect of birth control. So she decided to get an IUD. You know, the procedure was that I went in. um, I think I had to take some sort of pill a couple of hours beforehand that would open my cervix. Like Elise said about this being the Wild West, This is the only woman who I spoke to who told me she got that magic cervix opening pill. It's one of those helpful things that they are doing to make the procedure less painful. Another thing they do is they time it for the heaviest day of your period. It was only 60 seconds, if that. It was so quick, but it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. And I stood up when I was ready and... um, was astounded at how much blood I saw on the floor. Like, it just sort of plopped out of me. I mean, it was, like, day one of my period, so there was a part of my brain that knew, that knew that she had just irritated my uterus and a whole bunch of period blood was coming out at once. It was a little bit embarrassing to feel like I should find the tissues and clean up my own period blood from her floor. (laughs) For the first year with your IUD... You're supposed to reach up into yourself and check your strings now and then. You're also supposed to take pregnancy tests if your period goes away. But after then, it's supposed to be smooth sailing. The most likely time that you're going to have something go wrong is during the first 12 months. And oftentimes, it's more likely to go wrong if you are a woman who hasn't had kids yet. You know, for me, I had had mine for several years. I broke up with the boyfriend who I didn't want to have sex with and was with someone new and, you know, missed a period. And I went back through my log and checked and I was like, you know what, I usually miss a period once a year just for stress. And so I didn't really think much of it. And... You know, then I missed another one, and I was still like, no, I'm not pregnant. The IUD has a 99.99 effective rate. It is the most effective form of birth control. There is no friggin' way. Like, I refuse to believe it. I also, I wasn't having morning sickness. I wasn't having the traditional, like, I didn't have super smell. 
I was tired, but work sucked at the time, and I had been just tired. <laughs> I, I felt like that was something sort of natural. So finally, I mentioned all this to a friend, and she said, will you please just go to the drugstore, get a test. It'll make you feel so much better because you're not pregnant. And I was like, oh, fine. So I did it, and it came back positive. And I was at work because I was so convinced that I was not pregnant. And immediately, I called my doctor's office, went down for an emergency appointment. They did the test there, too, and they're like, you're positive. And I'm like, this isn't possible. And they did an exam, and she said, look, I can't find the strings. And I said, well, what do you mean you can't find the strings? What is it, just fall out? And she said, well, it's... It's sometimes that's that can happen. And I said, this is crazy. I've never had kids. There's no there's no way this thing would fall out and I wouldn't notice. Like fall downward? Is that what you were thinking could have happened? Is it just Yeah, apparently it's not impossible for it to fall out of your cervix. Obviously not very common, but not impossible. But it was the argument that it could have fallen out and that I wouldn't notice, that I wouldn't find it in my underwear or in my bed or something. I don't know. I I was pretty offended when they were like, it could have fallen out and you wouldn't notice. I was like, no. Something like that. I know what you put inside me. I know what it looks like. If that falls out, I will know. And she said, look, maybe maybe not. First things first, we got to find out where your ID is. So I went to a separate place for a sonogram. The poor technician is saying to me, oh, do you want to see it? And I was like, wait, it's there. It's really there. And she was like, yeah, do you want to see it? No, I don't want to see it. Meaning the baby or the IUD? The baby. She couldn't find the IUD. Um, No IUD in there. She can't find it, blah, blah, blah. It's getting on towards six o'clock, everybody else in the office is left. And I'm like, you don't understand. You're not looking for a baby. You're looking for my IUD. And she says, I can't find it anywhere. She's, she spent, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes looking for it. And she says, but let me just go get the doctor. She'll do a separate look, verify my results. And then, you know, we'll know more. So the doctor comes in and spends another 20, 25 minutes doing it. And eventually... She goes way high, like, you know, sort of above where you normally do a sonogram, which I, you know, I I sort of associate as between your hips and below. And she goes above that and she goes, I think, I think it's here. And it was just sort of floating in my, in my abdomen. What do you Google when you get home? (laughs) How to tell your boyfriend you're pregnant, even though it's statistically improbable. Uh, no, I I just went and I sort of told him and I walked away. I couldn't even look at his face. He's the greatest guy in the world and I knew I knew it wouldn't be a problem, but I I was having such trouble dealing with my emotions. I couldn't be there during the initial like 60 seconds that he was processing what I had said. So you guys have a really serious decision to make really early into a relationship. How did you lay out your plan for making the decision together? And what were the kind of talks that you guys had? It was very obvious pretty quickly that we were both like leaning towards ending the pregnancy. 
but he said, look, let's take this seriously. Let's, let's look at the other side. You and I have talked about abortion before. We both have agreed that we support the right to it, but it's something that should be avoided at all costs. And I was like, yep, absolutely. So he said, all right, well, here's my financial situation. And he laid it out in very stark terms. Like he was like, here's what my savings is. Here's what my debt is. You know, here's what my mortgage is. And what's yours? And I told him, and mine was considerably worse than his. But he was still like, all right, well, I can um, I can forgive your debt in an instant with my savings. And then we'll be okay. And we've got enough money and blah, blah, blah. And even though we sort of knew instantly, we decided to give ourselves a timeline. And I can't remember what it was. It was either seven days or or 14 days. And it was a Sunday that we said, would be the day that we decided and I and I remember we were in bed and talking about it that Sunday and and he was like well it sounds like we've come to our decision and I said I you know I really think we have and and that was the first time he put his hand on my belly and I pushed him away instantaneously and I was like you can't do that and I started to cry a little bit but he was like I know I know I you know I've I'm thinking so much about that part of your body and I've wanted to touch you so much, but now that we made the decision, I just had to, I had to connect. Once they made their decision, she had some important questions for the specialist. I talked to him a little bit about how this could have happened and he was like, you know, the most likely scenario is that it was inserted improperly, but that seems really unlikely in your case because it was in there for several years and absolutely fine. A while later, a friend of mine said, you know, didn't you lose 20 pounds right before all this happened? And and it was true. I had, I had dropped between 18 and 25 pounds very, very suddenly. And so my reigning theory currently is just I've dropped an unhealthy amount of weight. My body shape changed. It was sort of traumatic. And that's why the IUD escaped. Anyway, so I, so I say to him, would I be crazy to get another one? And he looked at me like I was totally bananas. And then he said, medically, no. It would be totally fine and totally safe. And chances were that it wasn't going to happen in the first place. There's no reason why it would happen again. And I, I was like, why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? And he was like, I just can't believe you just asked that. Um... I mean, it was probably the hormones, but I was so emotional at the thought of having to go back to the pill. I was distraught. I loved the IUD so much, and I thought that this was going to mean that I could never have one ever again, and I was going to have to find another form of birth control when I had found the one that was perfect for me. I couldn't bear the thought of going back to anything else. She had the surgery to remove the IUD from her abdomen, to terminate the pregnancy, and to insert a new IUD. The recovery process took two full weeks. But since then, one of the most painful parts of this experience has been that she can't talk about it. I mean, for me, like, I never knew that I wanted to have kids. I, I always thought I could go either way, either not having them or having them, depending 
you know, my situation in life or my partner or whatever. And it was the first time where I was like, I really want kids. And for me, it was, even as it was sad to sort of sit there and watch kids play in the park because of whatever lost potential, it was also incredibly uplifting because here I was finally embracing this idea that I wanted to have kids and that when I when I did it, I was going to do it right and I was going to be ready. So in the end, it was a hard decision, but um, very affirming. The day of my appointment was a snow day. The birds were chirping and everything was covered in fresh snow. I recorded my thoughts as I walked to the subway, like a giant dweeb. The pain is like a big thing that you're thinking about at this point. It's like, what does a pain like that even feel like? I really don't want to be memorable in any way. I just want to be like, you know, uterus number 342, and she'll just stick it up there and it'll be fine. When I got there, I was super observy. I think I thought that by making this a journalistic journey, that it wouldn't really feel like it was happening. But there was a lot to observe. I'd never been there before. I'd picked it out of a long chain of referrals, starting at a Yelp ad. For all the homework I had done for this process... I didn't really do my homework for this part. In the waiting room, I heard the receptionist talking loudly about a problem with the terminated pregnancy. There was a crazy lady in the waiting room with me, and I hated that I was judging the entire practice based on one other patient. My appointment started an hour and a half late, so I kept busy by reading the Marina brochure. The back page had a little white pouch with insertion instructions for the doctors. I studied the charts and the measurements way too closely and read every warning. When they called my name, I jumped. I was already in a cold sweat just from reading that brochure. I found out that I'd be getting the procedure from a resident named Olga. She said, do you have any questions about the procedure? It's going to take 10 to 15 minutes. You'll be in this chair, and it may be a little uncomfortable. At that point, I started laughing. A little uncomfortable? I have talked to so many women, and no one has ever called it a little uncomfortable. She didn't laugh with me. She said she didn't want to scare me. I asked her how many times she'd done the insertion, and she said 20. There was no pain medicine available to me, no cervix opening pill, no Novocaine, no topical anesthetic. I was just allowed to take ibuprofen. I later learned that a lot of women self-medicate for this process. They find some old pills left over from a surgery. It's like a BYOP policy. And then I was on the table, opened up, and the doctor arrived to observe. There's a doctor, a nurse, and the resident. Here is the audio that I recorded from my purse across the room. I'm going to say the lines that the doctors did. She starts by asking about my job. And the pain begins after I'm told to cough. 
So does anyone help you with the website? Or how do you design the website? It's more like being the editor of the website. Coughing? Cramping. You're going to feel cramping now. Because you don't have kids, it's a little bit harder. Deep breath in, slowly. More cramping. It's almost over. Just breathe. Oh my God, no, oh God. Breathe. <gasps> Almost oh over, gosh. another two seconds, okay? <sighs> the greatest lesson of my 20s is that warning signs are warning signs. The guy you've been sleeping with starts canceling dates He's not texting you anymore. He's never available to hang out. That is a warning sign. And it means he doesn't like you. If you're at a restaurant and there are no other customers and the menu sucks and everything feels sticky, that is a warning sign. But learning to act on those warning signs is harder than you'd imagine. It means telling the waiter, we changed our minds and heading back out into the cold to find another place to eat. It means telling the guy, this isn't working for me anymore. Have a nice winter. And sometimes it means telling the resident who's trying to open your cervix and kind of doesn't know what she's doing to stop the procedure. The pain is better now. I just want to stop. We're going to stop in one second. Do you feel like you're going to pass out? Can you go get a cold compress? Is there any way to stop? We can stop. We haven't put it in yet. We can stop. Are you sure you want to stop? I'm sure I want to stop. That was two minutes and 30 seconds of my cervix being pried open. And they didn't even do the most painful part, which is the insertion. Remember, no one I spoke with told me it would take this long. Remember how I wanted an experienced doctor? I wanted to be number 320, not number 20. In that moment, I decided I would prefer to spend the next five years taking a pill every day. That's 1,200 pills. Over 10 more seconds of that pain. Plus, Complications are most likely to happen with a bad insertion, and I just didn't trust the doctors that this was going to go right. 
After it ended, I felt insane for a while. I was covered in sweat. My eyes couldn't focus on anything. I didn't want to lie down. I didn't want to set up. They kept on trying to make me drink juice. The resident said, I'm sorry, and I never saw her again. It took me until I was walking home to realize the punchline here. This show has been like a giant ad for the IUD and how wonderful they are. And they are so wonderful for so many women. But when it came time for me to put up with any pain at all in order to get it, I just didn't want it badly enough. That's it for our special rebroadcast of this classic YOY. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our producer is Lindsay Cradwell. Our wintry artwork is by Teddy Blanks at chips.nyc. Our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Lee Rosifer, and Casey Holford. We also used Creative Commons music in this episode from Uncle Bibby and Chris Zabriskie. Special thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer at Panoply. I hope you guys have a great holiday. And next time on YOY, we're going to do something really out of the ordinary. We're going to ask Audrey in Texas if we can interview her brand new IUD. This is not the direction I saw this call going, but I'm not going to fight it. Let's do it. Okay. Did you get the microphone we mailed you? Oh, yeah. Here it is right now. Yeah. Okay. So that's what this is for? Yeah. I just need okay. you to get in position. Yeah. Just be delicate with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So are you, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here. Okay. Oh, this is weird. All right. Can you hear anything? It's there. Audrey, do you know why we heard the Sex in the City theme music? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know, it may be part of my feminine mystique, but if that's what happened and that's what we got, then that's what's going on. I don't know. I think we're going to have to call the manufacturer about this. That was super weird. We might have to get a technician out here to see what's <laughs> really going on.